Retro Anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Your voice is so sexy. <laughs> ah, your voice is sexy. <laughs> Why, thank you, sir. And in this episode, the battle for the fate of humanity takes to the stars. We are talking Gunbuster, the epic late 80s anime that elevated the giant robot series to a whole new level. Gunbuster, known in Japan as Tapo Nerai, Aim for the Top, is a Japanese OVA anime series produced by Gainex. Uh, Gainex? We'll go with Gainex. Gainex? Uh, released from 1988 to 1989. It was the directorial debut of Hideaki Anno, best known as the creator and director of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, the series was originally released in Japan over three volumes on VHS, video cassette, and Laserdisc, with two episodes per volume. The series was first released in English in North America starting March 1990 on video by U.S. Renditions as their very first release. It was only released in the original Japanese language audio track. Now, on August last year, uh, 2021, it was announced at Otakon that Discotech Media will be releasing the series on Blu-ray with a dub produced by Sound Cadence Studios, making it the first time Gunbuster will be dubbed in English. And they're looking to release sometime in mid-2022. So, let's talk a little bit about Gunbuster. I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. It's awesome. It's my favorite of everything that we have done. And it has everything that I would want. I mean, it has the giant space robot. It has great plot. Um, wonderful explanations. Gratuitous nudity. But it's not tacky. It's not tacky. It's like it fit the scene and it was natural-ish, I want to say. It's yeah, like, uh... It's, uh, honestly... It was there for fan service, but it, at the same time, it was like, it fit what they were doing. I would like to say that the, the scenes that we're talking about, it may have adjusted the way I, I see the way women have conversations when they're <laughs> just shooting the shit. <laughs> <laughs> It, it certainly misinformed me about the way women have conversations. <laughs> I, I thought it was so close to this. And when I found out they just sit there and talk, I was like, oh, <laughs> It's definitely not. It does. This series has everything. Action, drama, romance, an incredible soundtrack. Incredible story. Incredible, incredible story. story. Some crazy science. Excellent science. It's my favorite thing about this series. If if the animation was shit, if the music sucked, the science was so great. The science felt more like the closest thing I would say is like Interstellar, right? Yeah, right. Where the science has weight to it. Yeah, and it, and it didn't drag the story. Right, but, but it's not like, hey, um... We're going warp speed. Well, what exactly, you actually feel like, what exactly are the effects of you going warp speed? Yeah, the consequences of that decision. The just the, yeah, the consequences. Yeah, it, the, the time dilation subplots in this mm -hmm. are so good. It's always been good. This, 
that has been my favorite thing about this series as a science fiction series. And to this day, I haven't seen it done better in an anime. I just, right. I just haven't. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about it. This story kicks off really well, right? We we start off. It's it's so funny because this thing takes a tonal turn, in my opinion, right? It starts off with uh, little Noriko wanting to be just like Daddy, and she's attending a, a school that apparently has a robot program because robot phys ed's real important. Got to keep those robots tight. And that's what it felt like. It felt like robot. Yeah, that was the one thing I didn't get. Robots doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and sit ups. You can't forget the sit ups. Yeah, you got to keep them tight. Then robots need to be you know, tight. the core. <laughs> but that's how small they made how important everything that they're doing is. It's, yeah. You need to be able to. And I, and I, yeah. Yeah, and I get it. It wasn't so much the exercise itself, it was your learning mobility. Right. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really spend a lot of time. I, this. This anime doesn't hold your hand for a lot of things. It kind of leaves you to fill in bits and pieces here and figure things out for yourself. And and that's one of the things you're like, seriously, robots are doing exercise? When, yeah, you're right, Vic. The reality is, is they're, what they're learning is how to use the damn machine and be efficient in it. And I forgot, I, I looked into this and that was interesting. Oh, so Noriko's dad was on the Luxian, which is destroyed. So then they just, they started the RX program after this and they just made it part of like private high school PE classes. And this is like what we're doing. So now everybody's going to be training to, to use these things. And just this whole first, God, this, God damn, the animation is so tight in this first episode. It's just great. But now uh, when we're talking about, this is one of the first times you start seeing the symbiosis between the human pilot and the mech that they're piloting. This is one of the first ones where you realize, hey, you need to be physically fit to be able to handle the auditors of, of mecha parody, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because a lot of mecha series before and after, it's like, oh, look, a person that's never ridden in the mech before jumps into this giant mecha and is able to pull off some of the craziest stuff to know. Yeah. Here, it's like they're training on how to do these crazy things. And, and I love that Noriko sucks. Oh, my God. She sucks. So bad at the beginning. Yes, that's what I was looking at too. Is it yeah. shows that yeah, it shows that you can't just jump in there and be a superhero. And 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 she's so bad at it that that she knows she's bad at it, and she's begging to not be picked. It's like, please, yeah. I suck. Don't do this. And then they and then they show what's her face, and they show her actually training. She's training like steel sandals, and yeah, you know, you see her. She's physically getting into shape to properly, and it's like. It's not like, oh, she's just gifted and she knows how to pilot a robot. It's like, no, she trained and she yeah. still trains every day so she can, you know, beat up things in the robots. So here's what I love, the, 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 the contrast, right? Let's compare this, this whole, the character of Noriko to, say, somebody like Naruto, right? Mm -hmm. First episode of Naruto, you see him learning uh, uh, how to make a Shadokong, the, the, the forbidden jutsu. Right, it shows how bad he sucked, and it showed everything up to this point where he learns how to make the jutsu. Right, he learns the jutsu, and that becomes his bread and butter. Noriko, on the other hand, and the contrast is that you see the consequence of her sucking. Yeah, when it comes to the guy, Smith. Yeah, Smith. When yeah. it comes to Smith, she was like, "I couldn't move," and Smith was there. No, he's not there no more. I love that. That is what I love. I love that. 
I love that so much in that episode. I know we're jumping ahead, but man, in that episode, the loneliness and the fear that she feels, I'm with her. That is so terrifying. There's this unseen enemies flying around past her. She can't even hear Smith anymore. And she's like, there's nobody around. Fighting in space has got to be the most terrifying thing in the world. Just the vastness of nothing. Oh, yeah. And a lot of many series don't do fighting in space justice because, you know, there's no atmosphere. There's nothing to carry sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I mean, that's common sci-fi trope, though, right? We add yeah. sound to space stuff. But you got to make it sound cool. But yeah, man, it just it really everything. But everything about this first episode, it's just like down to it's so high school, right? The the bullies are hazing her. They paint up her mech and put a tack on her seat. And they're just being absolute assholes mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, she's a nepotism vote. You know, so they're all, <laughs> all pissed off because she's only in there because daddy died. Like, it's just it's so great. But I, I, I love how they don't they, they show from his point. His his my point. Her dad not only died but saved him. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do the great thing, and I'm uh, I know that this family is like they make it seem like that bravery, courage is a genetic trait. Yeah, yeah. Which in real life it really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. No. It's just this whole that man. The whole first episode is great, and this and it's something they do in the series. And the first time they show it is in episode one. And I love is every time there's a, a character who's shocked or or startled, they they do this transition with half tones and cross hatching and stuff, where it like turns manga ish. Oh, I ate that shit up. I ate that up. It was so great. Mm-hmm. Just start and oh man, I know I already ha- I already talked wax nostalgic about the animation, but this anime is infamous for being. The birth of the infamous booby bounce, the Gynex bounce, that started here. This was like they did it in this, and then everybody else started doing it. They started day one. You mean the booby bounce? Please tell us more. (laughs) So every time Noriko does anything, her breasts move almost independent of her. And they are very responsive. (laughs) And that is that this is the first time this is they did it here. It's called the Gynex bounce because of this series like that started it yeah gainax started literally episode one okay we're you know first production we're doing this and they carried it on i know that i'm a man so my opinion on this is skewed but i thought that was really fucking cool just because there it it gave the it gave her it gave her body weight like I mean, in the sense of movement, like with animation, right? I'm always going on about animation and how the little details matter. Like when she's doing jumping jacks, it's the little things. Like I watched that scene over and over again because the way her hair flops, the way that her clothes are bouncing, independent of her body. When something moves, everything doesn't move all at once. Everything moves at different rhythms and different bits. And and they captured that in this whole series. And, and anybody who's an animation nerd will just gush over that it's just so great and and breasts are another one of those things this is you got big breasts and some weight there and but they're not necessarily big they're not i, I would say they were like b's maybe c's am, am i right with that lynette you you're you're probably more <laughs> better with her portions with her portions like with her measurements they are very yeah. large they're not like not like bazonga large but they they are she would need a very strong support bra if she's running like that, unless unless she wants to bounce, which which will actually brings me to one of my first things about that. 
And this is something that happens in most... They couldn't get him anything except for the gymnastics leotard. They're too busy building an <laughs> army of freaking robots. You know? <laughs> they don't have a budget for... The budget went to the robots. There's no budget for clothing. <laughs> like, like you automatically have to think, well, they're in, in space. That means that their legs are cold unless you start factoring heat. Well, yeah, well, the thing is, is they don't talk about anything about the internal workings of this the robot itself. Yeah. Which means that it could be actually overheated. So being almost naked may actually be a necessity. It may. We don't that's know. The electronics. I love that. That's headcanon now for me. That's all I'm saying. Hey, hey, Lynette. <laughs> I mean, well, because if you think about it, right? They showed the scene with her practicing her push-ups in the robot, and she's sweating. It's true. The only thing she's doing is moving her arms. Now, if she's doing that all day, then yes, she's gonna sweat. But if there's no ventilation. If there's all, if you sit next to a, a high-powered desktop, you're gonna start to sweat because of the fan. That's why the server rooms are set at lower lower temperatures, and the AC machines for any server room is important because overheating is a big thing. Exactly, Lynette. I just you, nerded you, you, out, you, and I apologize. Not nerded out, but <laughs> seriously, if, it, if they hadn't fallen in love with you before. <laughs> bring in the knob. That's you know this I'm whole. I'm glad I wasn't the one that had to bring in the IT like myself. <laughs> I I have my glasses that I usually wear when I'm at work. Maybe I should just go. <laughs> I feel like I need to put on that alter ego. <laughs> well, your hair is up, so yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this whole first episode with her, the Rocky vibe is strong. She's the training montage. Yeah, the training montage with her and the guy on a Honda Cub. Very important. Honda Cubs, apparently those scooters are supposed to last forever. And they're still manufactured today. And case in point, this is a conversation that we had uh, in private, I think, unless we didn't do it on a show, is the amount of work and effort going into doing something like rendering the motorcycle the coach is riding. Didn't have to be name brand, mm -hmm. but they did it anyway. Oh, no, there were a lot of name brand things. I saw Pepsi yeah. cans. Uh, I saw the <laughs> megaphone he was using said Panasonic. Yeah, it did. Yes, it was great. The watches were Seiko's. Like, everything had... Yeah, yeah. no, there was one that was a tag hewer. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that you guys... I loved it, but apparently I, I loved it because I kept on looking for nipples. But the fact that you guys went in and saw Panasonic... It has something for everybody. You saw you saw Panasonic <laughs> on a microphone. You got a fucking piece. <laughs> hey, when you're enjoying an anime, you got to enjoy all of it. <laughs> now, in episode two, this is the first time we meet uh, Jung Freud, and, and I, I love her. Oh my gosh, I love her, but I didn't know whether or not she was gonna kill. <laughs> I I love her. That's all. That's all. I just wanted to tell you, I love her. She's she's so great. That chick walks around topless just because she can. Just because she knows she's a badass. She's like, yeah, I'm walking in because I got everything. And she's a ginger, which is awesome. <laughs> and she's Russian. She's a natural one, too, if they colored in properly. <laughs> right, this is the episode with the gratuitous nudity. Like, the, the biggest amount of the gratuitous nudity. And yes, she is. the carpets match the drapes. They, they were not too <laughs> shy about that one. But I, I also like, so in episode two, one of the things I really enjoyed, besides Jung versus Kazumi, was how in that episode they showed how space maneuvers are to be trained differently than land maneuvers. Mm -hmm. They get all the way to space, but which by the way, JAL apparently flies to space in, in this and airlines. Great, another name brand. <laughs> and 
And then they have to go through even more training because after doing all that shit on Earth, it's like, well, everything you learn is great, but it's going to be way different up here. So we got to do some more. And I, I love that because, again, it's something that is often overlooked in science fiction. Nobody ever addresses. It's great. This is, and I'm ram, I know I'm rambling. This is also the first episode where we deal with the time dilation, right? They, they're on a mission to, to track down a, a high-speed object. It's traveling near the speed of light. It's going to be a short mission. They're like, yeah, it will take some, yeah, it takes some minutes to get there, but in real world time, that's weeks. And if they overshoot it by even seconds, that those weeks become months. Yeah. So I I, I wrote it down because I wanted to remember. So one minute traveling at the rate they were traveling was three months of Earth time, and it was a ten minute mission, mm-hmm. right? So they were twelve seconds late on the mission because it ran long because Nodico lost her shit, which means they were two weeks late getting back on top of the three months that they were, or the way more than three months that they were already gone. Mm -hmm. It's just great because like in real life, when you meet some or you know somebody and you haven't seen them in a long time and to you, it's like, oh man, I haven't seen you in ages. How are things going to you? It's that feeling. And then how weird it is for someone like Noriko, who's like, Dude, I saw you 10 minutes ago. Right? Right. And in those 10 minutes, I found out my dad is legit fucking dead. Mm-hmm. The time dilation thing again. So this is what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's just, anyway, I, the mental strain of it, they show it. But, and I love oh, that they showed it. I love how they remove the hope from you. <laughs> right? Yeah, she had the slightest hope because, you know, there was no body, no nothing. You know, there's the slightest chance that he's alive. And it's like, oh, no, here's a ship. Oh, my God, there's a chance. And, oh, the, the entire front of the ship is missing. Yeah, nobody saw the front of the ship this, this mm-hmm. entire time. They could have saved themselves so much time if they fed to the front and then slowed down. I don't know. But yeah. they, because you catch up to the rocket, and then you, she goes in there, and then they just just take the wool off. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it gets even worse because she literally had minutes to just let that process, while everyone else had, like, months. It's like, yeah. okay, well, we know for sure he's dead and everything else now, and it's like, for her, it was only minutes. But do you know what that means, though? If you take that, right, the other thing you got to think about is that ship was probably traveling for minutes. Yeah, she said uh, when she got on the ship, and I didn't write it down, but it was something it was like... Only it two weeks. Yeah, it had yeah, only been a couple weeks. weeks. A couple of weeks since the battle. Yeah. So that means according to time on that ship, he's technically been dead two weeks. Yeah. But for her, it's been years. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. His his scent would still be on his uniforms in his, his room. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Two weeks is nothing. So, yeah. Heavy, heavy episode. This does this. This show does this over and over again. Episode three, we meet Smith because Kazumi's being a bitch. So she ends up pairing up with Smith, who's who's fun. He's he's an interesting character. But I also like that they talk about space weather in that episode. How they're talking about when they open up a Tannhauser gate and they're gonna they're gonna warp. How it has to be calm space weather. There's a very concept of space having different right. It's just like like different conditions other than nothing. Like everybody always just goes, well, there's nothing. But in the reality, space has a lot of weather. Right? There's you know, solar radiation and solar wind that blasts across our planet and make Aurora Borealis all the time. Like, there's clearly shit going on out there and nobody ever brings up. Again, this anime from fucking 1988 bringing out shit that just 
doesn't get touched on. It's so Frank doesn't even do it. Nobody, nobody does it. It's so good. Yeah, it's not that no one knew. It's just that they don't bother because it's unnecessary for most stories. I guess. But they guess. They, they included it. You know, they went through the effort. I I I just appreciated the shit out of that. It's just so the whole seg the whole third episode, we learn about how horrifying space warfare is. We learn about space weather a little bit. We that le- what the plan the sun that they were going to visit, they're all like, Oh, it's great. It's just like our sun. And they get there like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It's a great episode. But I mean, I guess ultimately the biggest thing about episode three is is the loss of Smith and how it affects Noriko uh, again, because it's all about her journey going from suck fest to battle god. Yeah, damn, I have a good word. <laughs> battle god? Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of explains where we get where we go with this. So in, uh, episode four does a classic thing that, and, and it's kind of weird for us to just be going episode by episode, but it's how I wrote my notes, so I'm just going with it. Episode four does that great humanity is the virus thing, mm. but on a massive... Intergalactic. Yeah, no, scale. Intergalactic. Intergalactic scale. It's like, we suck. These aliens are trying to eradicate us because we suck and we're insignificant. <laughs> and they're kind of not wrong, which is the sucky part. Yeah, it's great. It's a real, it's a, you know, really bring you down to earth. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, we we really don't matter. Okay. We're just a, a speck, right? Um, oh, and this is also the first time we see the full screen cockpit, which by the way, I wrote the note on because I wanted to talk about that. Again, the coolest interface for a mech. Every other mech show after this, well, not well before this and after this, they nobody uses this. Think about how you have to interface with a giant effing robot, and if you're doing it with a little CRT monitor and a couple, not you're not getting, you're gonna suck, you're gonna die. All the big jobs. Yeah, you you you're, you literally have tunnel vision. So this is so great. It's got this whole environment around her, and she's got just these kind of handles. It's the first time I've, I'd ever seen it used, and you don't see it used very often since. Yeah, no, good cockpit mechanics in Mecha is not a common thing. It's not no, and and the, even Super Dimension Fortress Macross has shitty ass cockpit design in that. It's just a couple monitors and a HUD, and they're supposed to be piloting these planes. And it's just that's that's just constantly how how it is and everything. Gundam does it. Everybody. Yeah, I feel like that. That's another like it brings up the whole like uh, bubblegum process last time. But yeah, it's just the way they thought tech would evolve. Yeah, you know, and it's like the whole uh, reference to like Blade Runner. It's like Blade Runner was like 30, 40 years in the future from when it released. And they're still running, you know, small CRTs with yeah. advanced features and then low-end features and weird features. It's, it's like a progression of that. I, I like how this is a six-episode series. And here we are in episode four. And they are taking the time to make sure you understand that Noriko is fucked up. And she has a complete nervous breakdown in this episode oh, yeah. when Jung, like, challenges her to space combat. And she collapses like she can't even. And I love that they took time for that. They could have six episodes. Most shows wouldn't bother, you know, And but they did. They, they that's what this whole space opera is. It, it's about the the cost of things, the cost of space warfare, the cost of loss, cost of time dilation, the cost, just all of it. And her little PTSD breakdown in that episode, that was that was heavy for me mess with me it feels it feels like all right i get to nerd out a little bit myself 
Right? Let's do it. So matter can be neither created nor destroyed, only in alternative form. Mm-hmm. Right. So meaning that the energy from one thing has to come from something else. It has to. And they show that in so many different ways here. If you're going to have to have a, be able to have the best mech, you need to be able to have all your senses with you, right? If you are terrified about something, use that same terror and then use it to power your bravery. You know what I'm saying? She Mm -hmm. goes from being terrified to saying, there's nothing else we're going to do. If we don't do something now, we're all going to die. It had to come from something. And I think that's why they show. That's why they show the break. The break, because you say you know, if, if you're going to go from this breakdown, you can if you flip the other way. There's excellence there. Yeah. If if anything, the the subtitle for this aim for the top, it's really it really is telling. Is it, it? That's all this is. Is is this girl trying her best to be the best at what she does and and save everyone? And it's just. Ah, I love this damn thing so much. Episode four, we get our first real big space battle. Epic starships doing fucking space battle with their giant laser lenses, opening fire, freaking torpedoes, just mass. It's so good. Also, our intro to Gunbuster, even though yeah. he's not even, it's not even ready. It's not even ready. It, and yeah, Coach benches her because she's got the PTSD and she's all fucked up and... And Noriko busts out Gunbuster, and then the captain's like, "Oh shit!" And then and coach is like, "Here's your target. You're going out there. It's gonna be fine. Go get him." Like he's just, "Fuck it, we're doing this." <laughs> you, only, you only got twelve minutes, but you, yeah, you got good. you got twelve it. minutes. You got this. I think he says, "But but I think Coach knew he was doing there." He yeah. says, "I'm going to put her in a position where she has no choice but to get in Gunbuster. Use hers. Use her man." He's not going to need it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What am I going to do? Oh, man. I like how they showed that she was able to she was able to operate Gunbuster. Sure. By herself. By herself, right? This isn't Pacific Rim. She doesn't need two pilots. Right. But it shows <laughs> that, hey, if you want to unlock these awesome features, you need... Mm. You need episode five. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> You need episode five. Coach is sick. Oh, everybody feels bad for Coach. And now, before this, five, four episodes, everybody's flirting about Coach. And you know, Jung's like, oh, I'm going to date him. Like, all this cute shit. And everybody's playing at it. But it's, then in episode five, they drop hard the love bomb mm-hmm. on this. Like, I think. And it's just like, whoa, hold up. Like, Kazumi's serious. This isn't a crush. She's, like, in love. And not only do they drop the love bomb, they drop the biggest consequence. Yeah. This entire time, from episode one through four, for us, it's been days, maybe weeks, maybe even months. But years have gone by. Yeah, that's right. Mama Kimiko, her best friend, is fucking grown-ass adult with a kid. Man. Bruh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, they did. They spent a lot of time with that. They had the graduation at the beginning, and then they had. Well, just them two. Her bully was a freaking instructor now at the school. Of course, she's a PE teacher. Uh, we never saw her nipples, though. And, <laughs> I'm sure you're, I'm, they can fix it and 
you know, sequel for you. Uh, Thank you, please, please. So, and then Kimiko is a mama now, and that's something we didn't really talk about much earlier in the earlier episodes. Kimiko is her best friend in the whole wide world, her ride or die. And she got left in the dust. Noriko did. Just Kimiko had a life to live, just like real life. Literally, like years just gone by. It's like, for you, it was weeks or months, and Uh. everyone else, it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's like, uh, you, you know, it's like everyone's Rip Van Winkle. Can we talk about, you remember that, that whole statement you were talking about how the clothes move differently than yeah. the rest of your body? Yes. The best illustration of that was she flops down on the bed. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was in love. <laughs> that, that whole scene is awesome in a lot of ways, but mostly for me, yeah. besides bouncing breasts, which is always a win, it is that Noriko is clearly my spirit animal. She had posters of Nausicaa on the wall, poster of Totoro on the wall. You saw She had a Van Halen that. calendar. How the hell did you see all that? Yes, I know, right? She oh. had a Van Halen calendar. Man, I'm like, and she had a Yamato poster. I'm like, this girl is my spirit. This is what this Dude, girl is. I can't tell you I saw any of that. I saw a nipple. And... <laughs> <laughs> I saw a nipple. Yeah. <laughs> and you were done. <laughs> Everything I need to know about this scene is right here. <laughs> Everything I need to see. And that's a great, not just, I mean, the thing about that scene, too, is is that it's it's her reflecting on not just everything that's happened to her, but also on the, the request that got laid on her lap not minutes before when Kimiko's asking her childhood friend to save her daughter. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't know that they necessarily gave that as much weight as they probably should. But I guess at the same time, Noriko is still young. She's like, what, 20 by this point, maybe at best. And Kimiko's 30, probably somewhere around there. So, I mean, she would still, she wouldn't have the mindset to care as much. Also, she doesn't know the kid, really. Like, she's met her just then. But the weight of that request, like, it's, and I think also this is something to do with our age, right? Like, I don't think I thought that at all. I don't even think I gave it a second thought when I watched this in 1992 whatever one or two but watching it now all of those things matter so much more to me all of the the time dilation the friends getting older and uh people you know dying in war the the request for the daughter all of that shit has a different weight for me emotionally than it did back then back then it was there's boobies there's a big ass robot with a buster beam and 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 this shit's the time stuff is really cool. And now it's, I don't know. It's just it weighed heavier on me. Yo, you just hit me with some deep shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you agree? I mean, do you think that that's like that to me? That's in rewatching this. Every time I rewatch it, I get a little more out of it. But this last time rewatching it, man, I really, I was hit by the weight of it all. Like I don't know. I guess again, I guess it's just my age. Starting to catch up with me. I think, man, when you when you really, yeah, I agree with you because when we're when we're talking about it, we've lived. We we're chemical. We're chemical. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we can see what would happen if 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 one of us that came back, right? If and we're not talking about ten years. We're talking about at our age. We're talking about twenty years. Sure. Yeah. And then they go ahead and drop the and. Again, we're skipping ahead on this. Yeah. They go to the they they episode six, twelve thousand years. That is a uh, an unheard of time jump. <laughs> the fact that they removed color 
yeah. that episode. That's so I think great. that made it heavier. Yeah, yeah that, was... that, that decision was made for effect and it hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They there's something so special about episode six. I mean, episode five gives you everything yeah. that you ever hoped you would see in a giant robot anime. It gives you just epic space battle, screaming power moves. The transformation. Oh my God, the transformation. The music in that scene, just the whole the whole thing, the mechanics of Gunbuster forming, it's, that episode's fan-fucking-tastic. And then episode six slows it all down for you. Drops it all down. And it's like, hold up, we're gonna bring down the saturation? We're gonna bring down all of it. It's the icing on the epic cake. I love how they did the scope of what of everything that they've learned throughout this. Right? Yeah. So you have the first thing I love as as potentially impossible as that may seem. The whole trolley, the sky elevator, yeah, going from Hawaii all the way to the to the space station. Yep. I'm not gonna talk about. Okay, sure, whatever. That's. The, it's science fiction, man. Let's go with it. Science fiction. Well, it was actually, you know, it, though, that was actually based on theory. I mean, it, it hasn't worked out yet. I don't know if it ever will work out, but that was actually like legit people actually planning that kind of tech at the time. No. I know. I'll tell you now. <laughs> I know. that We know better now. Right. But we're talking about the mid-80s. It's been 15 years since the end of episode five. Kazumi has now subsequently married and been widowed by Coach. And I guess because Coach is gone. She had her happy ending. She did. She had her happy ending in episode five. So episode six is Noriko's closure, I guess. Um, her a chance to succeed. I don't know. I felt like that's that episode six is just extra, man. It's just Noriko, it shows it shows the disconnect with Noriko. Yeah. Like everybody else got their happy ever after, right? There yeah. that ATA came out. And then, you know, they go up and they're doing that final battle, and you see she's only twenty-two. Yeah. Everybody else has had their ATAs. Yeah, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, everyone has gone through everyone's age, had families, lost family. You know, it's. I mean, Jung's with her, but Jung, but, but look, look, Jung's with her. Jung gives no fucks. So, <laughs> but that scene when they see each other for the first time. Yeah, and and Kazumi's visibly 15 years older, and it's like off-putting for Noriko, like she just wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. She has that look like, who's this person? Who's this person? <laughs> And can we take can we take a second to talk about you? We were talking about weird uniforms in episode one. What was up with Kazumi's dominatrix piloting outfit for the Buster Machine Three? Like she's piloting that thing in I don't know strap boob window bikini thing, and then she gets there and she's in like a full uniform again. What what what, what was that? <laughs> what was going on there? What was with the slapping? I know I know that we were talking about you know heat dissipation in a in a spaceship and all, but Buster Ma- 3, Buster Machine Three must run really fucking hot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Apparently it did. It had Jupiter. <laughs> it did. It had the whole of which. Come on, come on. Let's take a second and appreciate that. On a galactic scale, they took a gas giant and compressed that thing to be a bomb. You want to talk about ludicrous speed science fiction? That is there. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. And now you watch it and you're like, they condensed a gas giant to make a bomb. The largest in our solar system. By far the largest in our solar system. And I mean, and 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 Buster Machine 3 looks like a giant black egg. And and it's a big, obviously it's big, right? Because in the final battle, they do really cool. I really liked how they did it. 
I wasn't even mad they didn't show the fight because it was just so cool with the music and the cutaways to the storyboards and shit. Oh, it was great. Manga style. They did it right? manga style. That's what I loved I, about it. It was like flash white screen and then back to it. <laughs> yes. And then afterwards they show Buster Machine 3 and that bitch has got craters in it like a moon. Like it's been to hell and back. And I loved that because it's so big. It has its own gravitational mass. It's got a freaking space ring of debris hovering around it now, and it's covered in craters and it's been to hell. It's just, God, this fucking series. <laughs> and I love how they gave, I, I think they did this for me. They did it for me. I don't know if y'all felt like this was a silent night to y'all. But when she goes in there, she's going to remove whatever. I don't even know what she did when she ripped off her, her, her. The chest plate. The chest plate of Gunbuster? Mm-hmm. God damn it, I was like, one more, one more titty for Brian. This one's for you. <laughs> and then, and then 12,000 years later, she's still fucking nude. I'm like, hell yeah. They didn't oh, shoot you on that fair, one. Where's she going to pull one from? Yeah. Is it, covering from? That, the word you're looking for is continuity. That's right. <laughs> continuity. So, yes. Yeah, so, Buster Machine 3 on the scene. Though, I love when the, sh- when the ship shows up, how it literally shatters space and time as it's coming out of warp. Like a piece of glass, like spiders, and it busts through. And just like the sheer mass of this vehicle. Just the magnitude of it just. Yeah, is so intense and, and, and huge that the fabric of time-space is shattered when it arrives. And yes, we get to the the big moment. Buster Machine 3. Hold on, hold on. We're talking about Buster Machine 3. Yeah. And we're talking about how massive it is. Right? Yeah. We are making the assumption that it moved into into warp speed all at one time. When we have seen that it opens up like a window, you have to pass mm-hmm. through. Right. That should have that's a gripe. To have. Okay, but it's not like a wormhole, right? It's they, they called it. They gave it a name in this. It's a Tannhauser gate. So it like opens up space time, and you go in it, and you're so, it's almost like you're somewhere else. So you have to go into it, and then you come out of it at the other end. Okay. So there's like something in between, like a dark matter. Or something. Yeah, for the person going through, it's like a shortcut. For everyone else, not really. And actually, yeah. they do address it because they actually get attacked in that. They're yeah, exactly. In, in whatever episode that was, I like two or four. They, they get attacked in, I'm calling it hyperspace, but that's not what they call it in this. They get attacked in hyperspace, and and the and the captain's all cocky about it. It's like, oh, they're not going to attack in hyperspace. Nobody does that. <laughs> and then sure as shit. Of course like, they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because yes. As soon as he said it, I'm like, oh well, you're fucked now. You put it out in the ether. It's like you said it. You willed it into the universe. It had to happen. You did this. So yeah, so it's it it has to go into a hyperspace kind of void. Again, they call it a Tannhauser gate, which is a. Another homage, another 80s sci-fi homage to Blade Runner. So, you know. Um, and I loved that they did it. And uh, and it has to come out of that Tannhauser gate on the other end. So it's this kind of... And then we get the greatest time dilation epilogue ever committed to Celluloid. When they blow up Buster Machine 3, and because they're so close to the, the singularity of it, they experience... 12,244 years of time dilation. Humankind, AD, we're only 2,000 years into this. We're maybe 12,000 years old as a species. And they 
jumped another 12,000 years in probably a couple hours for them. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. They're going to feel they're the oldest thing alive. Yeah. The ship they're piloting is instantly older than the human race at that point. I mean, it's just, yeah, it is so great. And, and when they arrive and I'm going to tell you right now, I cried like a little bitch because it was so beautiful when that goddamn sign lights up on earth and says, welcome home. I got a little misty eye too. I was like, oh, done. Yes. And it, it pains me because that scene specifically also plays a part in the follow up anime that we're not going to be able to get to for a bit because that takes to, uh, that got released in 2004. But it. I just saved you time. It sucked. <laughs> I enjoyed it. But yeah. I enjoyed the it. The end. I, I know what you mean. The end. Yeah. It's. So no, I just I just enjoyed the fact that that sequence specifically actually played a part in the follow up. It didn't play a part as much as saying it, not so much it, play, it didn't play a part per se, it but it, it had its moment in it. I, it's a callback. It, yes, it's a callback. The callback. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, but did it mean anything? Yeah, and they didn't have to bother doing it. You know what, Brian? It didn't mean anything. You know what? You're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that. We're split on guys. This is about Gunbuster. We want to do Diebuster. We'll save that for another day. Exactly. Yeah, and and in our in our copy of it, and I, I I there's a few things different about the version that we just watched versus the version I watched as a teenager, and one is that in the end, the sign says "Welcome home," not "Welcome back," and the E on "home" is backwards because they fucked it up. Because of course they did. That's human engineering. We're gonna screw something up that big. Of course we would. Of course. So, but on the version we just watched, it just says "Welcome back" and everything's all hunky dory. But if you know even rudimentary katakana, you'll see that it's the e is backwards on at the end of the statement, and it's just a fun little thing that I like. And I'm bummed that it's not in my copy, but whatever. How were you supposed to know that shit? Because you, if you remember, like I remember it. That's why. You know, another thing I remember. This is fun. Apparently, subsequent releases they changed it, but during episode one, when Noriko's doing her montage training because every 80s thing has to have a good training montage, there's a Chariots of Fire ripoff playing in the background. And for the home release, they changed it for the most recent releases. So now it's they took some other bit of music and they threw it in there. I guess they just didn't want to get sued. I don't know. But I remember watching this and going, wait a minute. Now either I'm having a serious Mandela effect or this song had Chariots, this sequence had Chariots of Fire before. So I looked into it. Sure shit, it did. So yeah, it's they, they changed it. Um... So those are two things that they that didn't quite make it to my release. Just fun little tidbits, mindless musings, as it were, since yep. that's what we do. <laughs> dude, 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 that that that's your one um, Mosfieta reference of the day. Is it? That's yeah, it. That's your most, yeah, the fact <laughs> that you know kanji. No, I don't. I don't know kanji. I know like six kanji. <laughs> Just like, happens like, to be, and I don't know have... kanji. I know, I know, like six katakana. <laughs> yes, that's, like, that's oh, it. He, he can recognize Macross when it's spelled out, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, man, I, I know, I know Super Dimension Fortress Macross. <laughs> I know what an E looks like, and it is not. This is not. No, this is not my Mosfita moment. I don't speak a lick of the shit. I just, I recognize that character, and again. In the original, the subtitles read the E backwards. It just, that's what it was. Rick, you, Rick, you can't even remember the people we went to high school with. We went? But you remember this shit. We went to high school together? What's high school? 
why do you think I do this show? Because I don't remember anything, but for some reason, my brain locks on to all this useless bullshit. Dude. <laughs> I got I to gotta put it somewhere. Come on. Very much so. It happens to everyone. Yeah. We just went through the whole thing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a couple hard questions. Did you guys have a least favorite episode? There's only six, so it's kind of... I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm processing. Processing. <clears throat> processing. Like, I don't think there's an ounce of fat on this show. I don't I don't think there's... If I had to be picky, if I had to be picky, is the fact that they killed Smith so fast. But that's it. Yeah. And that was just me being picky. Like, right. if I had to pick something, it would be that you saw Smith, I liked his hair, he was kind of cool dude, and then he died. And I was like, wait, what happened? And that's the only thing. Right. That's not really anything. For, you no, know? it's not. That's it. There's, I don't think there's an ounce of fat on this series. I think the series is lean. And for as much weight as it gives you, it, yeah. For as much as you got for six episodes, I mean, you got a lot in six episodes. A lot happens in six episodes. I watched fifty thousand fucking episodes of Macross Seven, and I didn't get one tenth of the weight that this six six episode series yeah, gives no, you. The pacing was like near flawless. It's like it, the pacing was on point. It was quick to the point. It gave you what you needed to know. It gave you the Ooh. effects of it too. Yeah, it gave you the consequences of everything that they did. Yes, it's like everything was thoroughly planned to make you feel. <laughs> so now we jumped into this before I really got into it, but right, we first watched this. I don't remember who had it. it Might have been Harold. It had the original VHS, and we picked up and we all watched it. I remember it was one of them white clamshell cases, and and it took a while for us to get all three to finish it up because it was two episodes per cassette. Mm-hmm. And again, this is twenty to thirty dollars each. Right, and this is 1991, 92, 92. It was 92. Not very many of us work, so it's like, it wasn't cheap for us. <laughs> no. Now, this shit's on Crunchyroll, so check it out. That's your jam. 100% worth a watch. Let's cycle into our, our, our wind down, guys. Does Gunbuster hold up, right? Hell yeah. Does this stand the test of time? Hell yes. Brian, go ahead. Hell yes. Hell yes, hell yes, hell yes. My friend... You could possibly ask this question in 12,000 years. <laughs> Unless Donald Trump has been become galactic emperor, we will still have to say, yeah, the shit holds up. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that humanity has to deal with to even begin to think about how we're going to progress into the future. They took the smallest one and said, this is the one that we're going to focus on. And we made an entire show about the effects time. Entire show. Gunbuster was able to, with, with, with everything that, that was happening, Gunbuster was able to be a dominant factor across 15 years of time. That's, if you really think about it, you, people who have cars, and cars last 15 years, same type of thing. And they put that into a, a damn movie. Hell yeah, stance. Fuck that. Lynette, this is uh this is your first time with Gunbuster. Yes, and I am highly disappointed that Brian did not share this with me in all the years of our friendship. I'm beginning to Wow, Brian is being a bad uh, friend. Belief in shots. Belief in my anime love, because this was the first time he mentioned it. So boo. Boo boo boo. But I have to say that my first time watching, I I couldn't put it down. Like it was just Okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? And then needing a moment 
episode four, I was just like, oh, okay, I gotta go. A piece of chocolate. This is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then episode six, you know, you just gotta sit there quietly. I, I literally, after I finished watching episode six, turned off the television, sat down, and was just like, damn it. <laughs> just couldn't do anything afterwards. Yeah, there's a. Uh... I'm I'm glad that they give you a nice long credit roll for episode six because it took me that long to pick my job off the floor the first time I'd seen it. <laughs> I would like to say for the record, I had no idea. Damn, yeah, that's my bad. My bad. <laughs> I fucked up. My bad. <laughs> well, we'll have opportunities to correct your mistakes. This is why we're here. Hey, hey, Vic, hey, I still have not seen the carry yet. <laughs> Don't worry, you still haven't returned my Helsing Volume 3 yet either, so. <laughs> Ryan's like, that? to eBay. Um. <laughs> so, hey, buddy. Victor, Victor never forgets. I, I, I think we can go ahead and call that a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Right? <laughs> so, so oh. now, <laughs> Vic... Vic, you experienced Gunbuster with me back in 1990s when we watched it. How do you how do you feel about it today? So I am highly annoyed since I was working for a couple of weeks on the other side of the country that I was not able to finish my 117th viewing of this. <laughs> so, but without a doubt, it most certainly does hold up. It it fits the giant mecha fan anime nerds. It'll cover you know the science anime nerds. It'll cover the you know the animation quality nerd. You know it it has something for everyone. And even, you know, today, you know, two, three decades later, it's like, it's still good. And it still has things that haven't been done like that since, nor have carried that much weight since then. And it's just amazing because also, just I'm just going to go off on a little side note tangent here. How about it? It's like Gainax, you know, great studio. You know, they made a ton of mech, mecha anime and as well as a bunch of other stuff. But because of Gainax, we also have Gonzo, which was also founded by a former co-founder of Gainax, which have produced, you know, dozens upon dozens of great anime. We got Studio Kara, which also currently holds the Evangelion license and have, you know, it's Hideki Anno and they've done the rebuild of um, Evangelion's movies. You know, we got Studio Trigger, which makes some of the most batshit crazy anime out there. And I love it. You know, it's like, because of Gainax and because of what they've done, you know, we've gotten so much, so many good studios. We got great staff, great directors, and we've gotten even more great stories since. I, I agree a hundred percent. This is one of my, my Holy grail anime Yeah, has always been near the top of my list. I I've always been obsessed with, uh, Haruhiko Mikimoto ever since super dimension fortress Macross and his artwork is so well represented in this series. It's probably one of my, one of the best, iterations especially where he was as an artist at the time the music in this is so great god i love the music in this and i think this this series has a very interesting distinction in that now that i am old er (laughs) (laughs) that it got better and i don't know that a lot of things get better with age you know, wine, yeah, I guess, is the joke. Yeah, this series is definitely a fine wine. Yeah, it it got better. And it's, it's so rare to find something that you can come back and enjoy on deeper levels 
the more times you see it. I think we connected to the to the final aspect of it, and that would have been tough. I could imagine that if there's somebody who was our current age now who was watching it then, who who watched it right when it came out, they would have been like, "Yeah, they got it, they got it," when they hit it. Yeah. Um. Even that. I'm sorry. Even that. Even that statement. Right. Somebody who was our age now, when they watched it when it first came out, even that statement, if you really break it down, is such a heavy statement. Because now, 20 years later, are they even still here? Or are they like coach? Are they going, you know, oh. Yeah. It's what do you do with the time that you have? Yeah, how many, uh, now in our, in our midlife moments here, how many Smiths have been in our life? How many Coach Otas? Yeah. How many Kimikos? It's like this series just showed you how important time is. Yeah. How many times has time dilation fucked with our heads over these years? And and what has the cost been? This just again, it just it gets better for me every fucking time. I watch. And, and I think like I would love to I would love to make an appointment and say, hey, listen, in twenty years, let's watch this again. Yeah. Together. In twenty years. Yeah, if you ask me to watch it again next week, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I don't think I ever turned down a chance to watch this. No, no. This is going to go on my to-buy list. You want to ask me, if, if you want to do like an online viewing like every week for the next 17 years, I'm, I'm all up for it. It's definitely one of those series. There's, you know, a few things in life where they say you can just pick one at random and enjoy it. This is it. I could pick a random episode and be like, all right, yeah, let's watch it. That's perfect. It's exactly what I'm in the mood for. So there you go, guys. Uh, we got to wind down. We got to wrap it up. That's that's it. That's Gunbuster. That's our show for today. Vic, how do people talk to you about their Buster Machine? Well, Buster Machines don't exist yet, unfortunately. But if you're feeling like talking to my Muppet, it's always, you know, as always on Twitter, it's at Kaiju underscore Geek Grotto. That's at K-A-I-J-U underscore G-E-E. K G R T T O. Now, Brian, if you want to talk to me about your gun buster, don't <laughs> <laughs> talk about your gun buster. My face is too close. I'm not going to say anything. Don't find me for this episode. <laughs> if you remember hey, his account from the last episode, you can ask him why he hasn't finished. I'm the sorry. Right look, look, look. If you want to talk to me about, look, I'll give you something. If you want to talk to me about your uh, black hole bomb. You can find me at kaiju underscore geek. Hey, Brian, Brian, Brian. I am not your PR person. If you're supporting your people to me, it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you three complete viewings of Akira and a Helsing episode three. Or volume three. At least it won't cost me a black hole bomb. (laughs) Oh, no, that'll be the free premium. No, it won't cost me a black hole bomb. I'm okay with that. What people don't know is that Brian's actually his OnlyFans page is actually called Black Hole Bomb. Black Hole Bomb. Oh, shit. I think we need to search and make sure that there's no OnlyFans only playing. Not already taken. Or, may, or maybe we're going to give them drive business to them. So we, we, mer- we need merch. Ask me about my black hole bomb. <laughs> As I sign up Brian for his black hole bomb web, uh, OnlyFans site. Oh, man. Yeah. So un- I, I am sad to report that Lynette was too close to the singularity, and she won't have a social media account for about 12,000 years. So I'm just going to have to do without. You're doing really good with these things, man. You're doing <laughs> However, Black Obama is a little painful for me. I don't uh, know. Sorry, man. 
It hit a little too close to home, Brian. A little bit too close. <laughs> so, folks, until next time, keep calm and super Inazuma kick! You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections, or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.